You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. And welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. Today's guest is Sean Foster, someone you probably know from the Chad Prather Show, but he's done so much more behind the scenes with Glenn Beck, including traveling the world to some pretty dark places where he helped shine some light. Sean spent more than three decades living in Brooklyn, and now he lives in Texas, a completely different world. He sat down and discussed becoming a new parent, the differences between cats and dogs that I think you'll enjoy, and his most embarrassing moment, which occurred on the field during a World Series game just a few years ago. Sean Foster, he's my guest today on At The Mic. I am joined today by a friend of mine who just looked over here to... Gave me this look like, no, we're not friends, dude. Don't be, don't be, don't be doing that. Don't be, don't be describing me as your friend. Uh, so we're anyway, friends. we're friends. Yeah, uh, Sean Foster knows his stuff in this business. He does a little bit of everything. I'm talking on air and off. You probably, yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm talking on air. I'm not good on air. No, whatever, not. man. You do some great stuff with Chad Prather down the hall here at Blaze TV. You guys get together and eat food. And I drink a lot. So. You drink a lot. But never with me, which is, you know, it's a, it's a sore subject. I, I already told you I was going to bring this up. Uh, we've, we've made plans on multiple occasions to get together to drink alcoholic beverages together. Yet it's never happened. And you're the reason. No, hmm? wow, that's yeah. a great, that's a way to introduce me. Like you went from introduce me and being so kind to all of a sudden saying that it's my fault. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. because it is. I just sort of. Like it I is my it. fault. Yeah, it I'm is. a slacker sometimes. Yeah, because I, 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 in fact, we actually had a date once uh, that I, I watched you. I made you put the date in your phone, and that date came and went. But I got to be honest, when the alarm went off on my phone that day, it's not like I reached out or anything. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we've tried. We've tried. Uh, anyhow, so Sean Foster, welcome to the show. Thanks. I hope you feel loved oh, yeah. already. Oh, yeah, I do. Born in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. How long were you there? Wait a minute. What, what do you mean, yeah? Good old Brooklyn, baby. Yeah. How long were you there? 31 years. Wow. Wow, my goodness. Yeah. That's a long time to be born and raised in, in one spot. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so how did you okay, so 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 walk me through your life for the first thirty one years there in Brooklyn. Um so I grew up in mm-hmm. a crap part of Brooklyn. Okay. Is there a good part? There was sort of a good part. There's always a good part of some neighborhood. Of, yeah. You know, there's always a good part of some borough or city or state. I didn't grow up in that part. Not uh-huh. at all. Completely far away from that. Uh-huh. Um, so if you were still there, would AOC be your representative? Do you know? No. My no. representative was, would be, I don't even know who the representative of. No. It wouldn't be yeah. AOC, though. Okay. Cause she's Queens in the Bronx. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I saw wow. it's Brooklyn. Oh, fail. Just, start us over again no that's cool no i'm from the south man those boroughs meant nothing to me until i lived up there and now they're back to have meaning nothing to me again at all (laughs) anyhow so okay so brooklyn my bad yes yeah um i I was thinking the bronx there so tell me when you turn 16 and you live in brooklyn is getting a car as big of a deal as everywhere else in the country no I mean, I had friends that did get it. I had friends that had parents that were like, yeah, well, we want you to drive. I got my license at 26, so cars didn't mean a thing to me yeah. at all. I was I, I was 
a subway guy, train and buses. And you can get anywhere you need to go. Uh, that's where, I mean, all my days were on literally on the train platform. It's like you'd put your head out and say, hey, girl, I'm on the train right here. And that was it. That was where you picked up a girl for a date night. Like, <laughs> it's like, girl, I'm getting on the train right now. You you know, put a, put a quarter in on the payphone and say, I'll be right there in five minutes. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. So you grew up in the Northeast, obviously in New York. Uh, you had two brothers and a sister. Yeah. Is that right? How was it growing up with siblings? Uh, I think that's what kept us together um, in a sense because we grew up in a very poor part of town and we weren't allowed to do, go outside because it was a rough neighborhood. So it was, just, it was just us at home entertaining ourselves. And I think that's how we stuck together a lot stronger. Yeah. And it made us pretty much strong for each other. Now, do they still live up there or are they spread um, out? Because you live in Dallas now, just if, yeah, it, if I wasn't Worth, clear. Fort Worth. Uh-huh. Not a Dallas guy forward. You've got to make that clear here because yeah, there is a big difference. Oh, there's a big difference. Dallas, and now that I know yeah. it, too, like you go back, you're like, oh, I'm not from Dallas anymore. Ugh, <laughs> I'm a Fort Worth guy. That's right. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> Dallas is more the the uppity cosmopolitan yeah, part it's, of Yeah, it's the city part. Yep. And Fort Worth is really the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. It's They still live in, uh, my brother still lives in Brooklyn. Uh, and my sister and my other brother live in Florida. Okay. So it's just, yes, we're all over the place now as adults. Okay. We all, some of us left and some, one of my brothers is like the whole doubt. He's like, I'm never leaving Brooklyn. And we're like, dude, it's good outside there. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Like you can work and not work so hard. Your money, money's really good to you in other places. State income tax and stuff like that. Yeah. There's none here. Do you prefer now Texas over Brooklyn or would you go back if you could over Texas, if you could choose for the um, it's it depends if I was so I'm married now and kids and with the family I think I would never move back to Brooklyn yeah unless I had to unless it was like the last like hey you need to go but my plan is to always stay in Texas as long as I can and you went to Brooklyn College what did you go to college for television radio production okay can all right that? I actually stuck with my career path it's very few yeah but I also dropped out in college a little bit so uh-huh. it's, you know <laughs> uh-huh. so the truth comes out. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh my god, I did it in four years, and I'm a genius. No, I dropped out after two years, and I drank a lot and partied, and then I went back. It's like I want to go back to school now, guys. And so, what what did you envision yourself doing? Like, when did you decide I want to be in radio and television production? Uh, when did you first have that thought? So it was my second year in college, sophomore year, and uh, I started filling out of macroeconomics. I was taking economics. I wanted to be an accountant. And, finance guy and there's a I was taking a macro class and I knew it was a sign because I would fall asleep every day in the class and I'm not a I don't sleep in the daytime and I was like it was just that boring I just didn't <laughs> focus at all so I you know I, my GPA dropped and they were like yeah we're putting you on probation and oh, I was like you know what I'm just not gonna do school for a little bit so I dropped out for a couple of years few years and I was like I'm really enjoying partying <laughs> and uh Eventually, I was like, yeah, I can't do this party for my whole life. Like, it's going to dry up. So yeah. I decided to go back to school, and I had an uncle that was working in television. He said, hey, you know, like, this would this be a good path for you to follow. And he's like, you always, you're always creative with watching movies and shows, and just, you, you have a good eye, so you should try this. And I was like, ah, whatever, let me try it. So that's what I went back to school for, and yeah, so you sort of here. you went from numbers to no numbers whatsoever Yeah, as far as a major goes. Yeah, I can't imagine having to do anything with accounting or that requires like oh, real bad. math skills. That would be uh, that'd be an area that would be off limits for my brain, <laughs> and and actually is you know. Yeah, it, I mean it. It was it was a it was a good point for me to like you know what this is not where I want to go now. Like this is not it. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and I know you're very talented and you have a great eye for production. Um, 
what is your favorite aspect of the business then as far as getting your hands on and uh, is it camera work? Is it, because uh, I don't know, tell me all of the things because it seems like you, if I'm not mistaken, you do a lot or you have a lot of knowledge. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's years of experience, I guess. It's just constantly trying to grow. Um, I just love, I love camera work. I love being, I just love getting somebody's vision out. I love the idea of if somebody says, hey, we have, I want to put this on, on screen how does this come out? Like, I just love the idea of breaking it down, getting a team collaboration, and making it happen. When you were a kid, what were you thinking? I'm gonna do for a living, or were you ever even thinking about? That? I was. I don't think I was thinking about it. I think I was just enjoying being a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I think a lot of aspects of understanding vision. It's so funny. It's like I, I remember just watching a lot of TV and consuming. I mean, I'm a kid of the '80s and '90s. Yeah. And I think that was a. I was talking to my wife about it. I think there was an era where it's like, yeah, it was television started in the '50s and '60s, but, like production and I think breaking down like what good content was I think was started in the 80s and 90s I think we just I sat there and I consumed a lot of that mm-hmm. so I just just constantly just seeing that in my head brave so I think as a kid I just paid attention to being a kid as being a kid I didn't really yeah. say hey what am I gonna do as an adult I didn't I didn't because care. most broadcasting back then like you said that was live yeah you know and now a lot of it is just pre-recorded and opens up the possibility of more production and more mm-hmm. involvement in, in creating stuff and thinking about it Mm-hmm. Uh, but before you got into the world of broadcasting, you held some retail jobs. Yeah, How, I worked uh, at Foot Locker. Oh, I worked. At, I can see you being a great salesman. You get commission of Foot Locker. Yeah, I did. Oh man, I can see you raking it in there. I did no? good. I did good some yeah. parts sometimes when I wanted to. I mean, you know, again, that's driven. Um, I did. I worked at uh, J Crew. I worked at French Connection. I worked at Fossil Watches. Oh, Fossil. Yeah. I think you could sell anything. I think you're you're very personable. I bet you could uh It was fun. Yeah. How was it selling shoes in Brooklyn? The store that I was in Brooklyn, we were the number 3 store in the country for for sales. Wow. Yeah, so we were behind 34th Street, which is uh, Manhattan. That was the number one store. I was a flagship store and we were number 2 or 3 sometimes on sales. So we were we were doing okay. Wow. Because, you know, kids need to buy sneakers in Brooklyn. That's the number one priority is getting sneakers out there. How many people uh, would uh, run out of the store uh, with a pair <laughs> under their arms? No comment. Uh-huh. Right. I bet. <laughs> Are your sports loyalties up there in New York? Um, yes, except for the Dallas Stars. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So you're a Stars fan? Yeah. Okay. How'd that yeah. happen instead of like a Rangers or an Islanders or something like that? So growing up, I didn't watch. I didn't pay attention to the Rangers a lot. Um, my stepdad used to work in Long Island, so I used to go to Islanders games a couple times, but I was never really a true loyalist Islanders fan. Rangers fans are kind of snobby. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of snobby. Like, if you don't know... I would like, say that to... about anyone in New York, but continue. Wow. <laughs> except but, for you. I mean, except, except for you. Except for the Yankees. Except for the Yankee fans. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I just came out to Dallas, and I needed to follow a team, because I'm not a Cowboys fan. That will never happen. The Cowboys could burn and die and rot. <laughs> Jerry Jones can suck it. Yeah, okay. So you're a Giants fan. Yeah, I'm a big Giants okay. fan. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, just tell. <laughs> I didn't but I wanted far. to I needed a team to follow. I need something like something just like, okay, I'm living in Dallas, I need to just follow and I went to a Stars game and I was like, these guys are they were horrible, but I saw Tyler Sagan play one game and I was like Yeah. I don't know who this Tyler Sagan guy is and came from Boston, which kinda is uh but yeah. Oh well. First of all, you had the GM up there trade him away for nothing. Yeah. And then that GM went on to run my team, the Oilers, yeah. and traded Taylor Hall 
for Adam Larson, which I know people listening to this podcast, the majority are like, okay, whatever. Um, when Taylor Hall is the number one overall pick and every other GM in the league says, man, we would have given, you know, five draft picks, you know, which is what the Devils eventually got from Arizona, but I digress. My point is the guy has a history yeah, of sending star players away for nothing. But yeah, he plays for the Dallas Stars, and yeah. the Stars are a fun team to watch. Absolutely. They're a great team to watch. It's a fun organization. So I just, you know, that was the, that's the one team that I follow, but I'm still a Knicks fan, sadly. I'm never going to give it up as much as people want to hate on me. And everybody, you know, that's everybody's cool. like, how come you're not a Brooklyn Nets fan? I'm like, because I was never a New Jersey Nets fan. I was going to say, yeah, because they just recently moved. You were here yeah. before they moved there. Yeah, I'm not a New Jersey Nets fan. Sorry. Mm-hmm. What sport have we missed? Uh, oh, you're a Yankees fan? Definitely Yankees okay. fan. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I like most about you. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Tell us about Erin, your lovely wife. My wife. Who did y'all meet? We met on Tinder. Oh, really? Yeah, swiped okay. right. Look at that. That's yeah. unreal. That was a uh, <laughs> first date was uh day after Valentine's Day. <laughs> See, that's good planning by you. Because then you got 364 days before you have to worry about getting a Valentine's Day I was even. I was like, hey, you want to go out for brunch uh, on Sunday? And she's like, yeah, why not? So we went for brunch and spent all day together. Uh-huh. Went to the movies. We went from brunch to like she went home at like one in the morning because we just kept hanging out. Went to the movies and had dinner and supper and just walked around and just. So what? Out. What day did you reach out to her? Like, if I may ask, so the brunch was on a Sunday. We were talking before then. Uh-huh. I mean, it's Tinder, so you were like, you know, talking. So, to... so she didn't uh, push for a Valentine's Day get together. No, she's she's she was older. Okay, she was a little smarter than hey, let's go out Valentine's Day. Like, that's good. That's I mean, you got a good one, obviously. That's great. Yeah. Because then, like I said, you get to wait 364 <laughs> days before it's an issue. So, did you meet here then in Dallas? Yeah, we met, yeah, we met in Dallas. Yeah, so we started, you know, dating and and y'all have a beautiful, I have a little girl, sweet daughter. She's a monster. I haven't seen her in forever. I bet she's big now. She's a monster. Mm-hmm. She talks back, which is that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. When they start uh, talking back, uh huh. Yeah, because then they want to bargain. Yeah. It's, it's weird to see like a, a three-year-old start lying to your face. <laughs> it's Because it's, I want to amend her. Like, I want to applaud her for being like. Right. Yes. You 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 were good. That's good. good you're job. a good liar. But then you're like, wait, but you're lying to my face. But no, no, no. That's yeah. bad. And then you turn away and do the little laugh so they can't see and your spouse can see. You know, yeah. <laughs> Been there. That's where we are right now in my right. life. That's oh. that's the three year old, and then we have an eighteen year old. Well, my wife has an eighteen year old, and I call her my daughter, so I don't call her my stepdaughter. But yeah, let's go back to the line. <laughs> Man, I gotta know if it comes to mind. What is the best lie she's told so far? That, is that tough? It is a tough one because it's con- it's constant. It's, <laughs> it's, it's constant. Nothing like, stands out because it's just her. It's part of her but personality. It's, it's, now. But it's like how. Like, how does the kid know to lie? Like, it's like, do you brush your teeth? You're like, she's like, yes. When? I just did. I did it really fast. You're like, but you didn't turn the sink on. <laughs> I did it really fast. You just didn't know. You're like, you're you're building a lie so good. Like, you're building up to it. Oh, man. Scary. Yeah, and uh, you're going to have trouble. Oh, she's, yeah. Already? I, oh. I mean, we are, like I said, we have an 18-year-old, so we're, like, we're set up for that. We're like, all right, this is what it's going to kind of lead to. But mm-hmm. my daughter has my personality, which is kind of scary. Uh, so she's a gregarious liar? Yes. <laughs> yes. So aside from the, the fun little lies that she's telling about brushing her teeth, what have you found is the most difficult aspect of parenting in your three years as her father? The hardest thing 
I think it's just trying to balance work life and paying attention to her. Because mm-hmm. like I work from home a lot now, and it's constant. It's seeing her say, "Daddy, want to hang out? Daddy, want to hang out?" And not knowing when to how to balance that properly. Yeah. And you're just like, "But wait, I'm going to miss these moments because yeah, I'm going to go away." So it's just. That's the hard to me. That's the hardest thing. Is constantly like if I turn if I go away for a week, I get back. Like there's some new things that she learned or something different, and something about her changed, yeah. something about her personality changed. It's like I'm missing out on those moments, and that's to me that's always constant. Like there's no repeating that. There's no starting that over again. Like once it's gone, it's kind of gone. Yeah. And I miss like I think when she was between the ages of one and two, I was gone a lot for work. I was traveling across the country a lot, and it was like you miss those moments. You're like wait a second, I can't get that back. And that's a hard to me. That's the hardest part. Like, holy cow! Just, just watching her development development come along, and 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 we'll get into this. I think. And correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the reason you travel is for sports, right? You cover sports. Or well, it was, other, I, it was all over the it was all over the place. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was just different clients. Yeah, I know it's not the same, but I would imagine technology, something like a Skype or Zoom or whatever, yeah. is beneficial to a point. Yeah. You know, at least you get to say... But it's interesting because hey. she's at the age now where it's... Where it's like, I, I, didn't th- I, didn't, I didn't think about it as much. Like, I thought about it, but when she starts saying, like, Daddy, are you going to work again? You're like, wow, you notice it. Like, you know that idea yeah. of, like, when Daddy goes to work or Daddy's working, it's like, okay, you know, a three-year-old should be constantly, like, I get... She, she shouldn't be thinking, hey, Daddy, why are you working so much? Or why are you going to work? You're leaving again. You're leaving again. Mm. Oh, daddy has his bag. He's packing his bag and he's going. How long are you going for? And it's like, oh. Yeah, that, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, you're right. I mean, and you you said it square and direct. You don't get those moments back no. that, that are happening while you're away. I've never had a job where I have traveled too often. So I haven't really been exposed to that. I have moved for jobs. Mm-hmm. And then five months later, the family finally comes. So I just get all mine over with at one time. Mm-hmm. But I understand what you're saying. So you do traveling for clients and stuff like that, not necessarily sports related. I always think of you in the realm of sports, camera work, production, oh, stuff like that. Yeah. But the, the, I want to segue into your most embarrassing moment, Ooh. which was at the World Series. Yeah, that was, that was rough. What, so so tell us what happened there. So I was a steady cam operator, movie operator for the World Series. And steady cam is, is where the camera, it's basically an extension of your body, correct? Yeah, but I didn't have that. So I had the one that just had the one you held with your hands, the two, the big gimbal that you held with your hands. And uh, it was game two okay. of the World Series. Who was playing? Uh, the Royals versus the Mets. Okay. And we were in Kansas City. And the shot was, I was supposed to walk the pitcher out from the dugout to the mound and the whole action was that there's nobody else going to be on the field except for me. Oh boy! On the field, and I'm had a gimbal, and it, this is this this came from like non-experience, from <laughs> not knowing you know not knowing how to follow, not knowing what was going to happen, but also not paying attention properly because I was focused. I was way too focused. I had blinders on on the pitcher because like okay. if you miss this shot, you know this is this is the shot everybody's waiting for. You can't miss this shot. This is this is national broadcast. And so I'm watching the pitcher. And I'm like in my head. I'm like, all right, I got him. I'm following him up and down the mound. And as soon as he gets out of the mound, he starts to run from the dugout to the mound. And I'm like, okay, I'm running sideways with him because I'm looking at him. But I didn't look over my right shoulder, and there was a guy from the stadium crew that wasn't supposed to be on the field, but he stayed on the field. Oh, no. And I didn't see him. So I'm running sideways full speed, and a guy, I didn't look over my shoulder, and bam, ran right into him. Oh. And it was raining out, so I hit him. I slipped. I went up in the air. I flipped. No. <laughs> camera dropped. Camera broke. No, no. Directors are directors are yelling in my ear. They're yelling in everybody's ear. What the? Oh. 
and they're going off, and this is national broadcast. And I remember all I see. Remember, I look down and I see the catcher, the pitcher running right to the mound. He's just laughing, and I'm like, <laughs> "Yep." And I got up, and the cameras, everything's dangled and broken, and oh, it was kind of embarrassing. I went to the dugout, and some of the Mets players were like, "Bro, you you wiped out right there." And I'm like, "Don't worry about me. You got a game to play. Like, <laughs> don't look at me like yeah. the moment of like I'm embarrassed." But I'm like, "Thanks, dude." And it's like, "Ugh, camera down." So you had that collision there. Was your camera shot what was live on TV at that moment, or was it still so a preview? They, they, it was no, it was live. So as soon as that started happening, I mean, the director, I mean, the directors are fast. These guys, sports, sports production is is a beast. If you've ever, if you ever get a chance to see that kind of production, it's unreal how quick and how fast these guys are. I mean, it's it's a skill, like it's an insane skill to watch it. So as soon as I hit. They cut away. They cut to another camera right away, and they they had it covered. But uh, yeah, they had it. In the, they had so, it in the truck. They played it back for me. <laughs> and they, so, I saw it on every other camera angle. My ass in the floor on <laughs> national so TV. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, is there video when they cut away? Can you see you? Like I'm looking at YouTube right no, now. No, you can't find it. T- so ESPN. Oh, really? So ESPN. ESPN put it up right away. Because it was because it was on Fox, so they were battling each other. It's, you know, they battled each other, so it was embarrassing. So ESPN's like, we're going to capitalize on it, uh. and it sat up there for I think for a day, and they took it down. Oh, that's too bad. And then yeah, after that, the, the director was like, yeah, he's too un- inexperienced to be here, so they cut me, they took me off the oh, they took me off the crew. Come on, put you on something that isn't a steady cam, maybe. No, they, I mean that's even worse. Those guys, I mean, it's a skill. Literally, working sports is a skill. It's there's a lot. It's a high dollar <clears throat> production. So there's no mistakes. There's there's really mistakes in if you if you just watch sports, there's really mistakes on camera on the camera crew on production. Right. It's it looks like a well-oiled machine cuz it is a well-oiled machine. Like these guys, you have some camera guys that have been working the same cameras for 30 years and they're not changing those guys out because it's not you don't just you can't just do it. I will say that when I was a freshman at the University of Nebraska, it was actually before classes even started it feels like maybe the first week or so. Ah, right in there. Anyhow, UCLA came to town. I know mm-hmm. that. Look up the Nebraska football schedule, 1994. UCLA comes to town, and ESPN needs runners and just assistance, mm-hmm. uh, for the lack of a better word, during their college game day production. They were mm-hmm. in town in Lincoln, and $100 for the whole day. Mm, you, yeah. We own you for 100 bucks uh, on Saturday from before sunup yep. uh, until after sundown. Yep, they milk you. They do. They do. I got a cool... And I don't, I don't have like a rec room or something to, to hang it in anymore. But um, I have one of the things that I asked for and they gave me was the ESPN banner. And they haven't changed their logo really uh, in you know the last yeah. however many years. So I've got, I've got the ESPN banner somewhere that you would normally see on the side of a football field during a game. Yep. But my assignment was so cush that day, man. <laughs> I was there. In fact, this is when you hear about... Side note here. I'm sorry to make this about me for just a moment, but it's kind of fun. This little fun fact that you always hear whenever there's a Nebraska home game on TV, you hear Memorial Stadium, Lincoln, Nebraska, becomes the third largest city in the state on game day. Mm-hmm. Well, I was there that day when they were saying, hey, you know, Omaha, Lincoln, is this going to be the third biggest city when you have the crowd there? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was walking to my car to go and get, remember, we didn't have the internet. This is 1994. I was walking to my car to get uh, a road atlas that had the population and stuff. Cause we were going to figure out is Memorial stadium, you know, the third biggest city. 
Anyhow, somebody grabbed me. They they figured it out before I could get to my car. But my point is, that's when that started was in August of 94. But my job, I had classmates, Sean, mm-hmm. that worked their butts off mm-hmm. all day, sweating, running mm-hmm. around. I literally had to col- hold the camera cable mm-hmm. for a sideline reporter, Steve Cyphers, mm-hmm. had to hold the camera cable right before the game mm-hmm. and at halftime. Mm-hmm. After halftime, I was free to sit on the sideline yep. on the anywhere I wanted to with my yep. press pass. That was my my experience was a little different than than your situation. There's perks. I mean, there's I mean, there's some there's there's some jobs as PAs and runners that you don't do anything, and then sometimes you work and you're just like, <laughs> wait, I have the worst PA runner ever. Right, right. I'm telling you, man, my classmates were like. They they were run ragged that day. Oh yeah, they don't. I mean, a hundred dollars, and that's the thing. They make so much money. They a hundred dollars to them is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you see production, you're like, dude, like this is. I want this job forever, right? Like I kind of do want a job forever. Like if I could get if I could get crew crewed onto Monday Night Football or baseball, baseball tonight. Yeah, like, and it helps that you're a big sports fan. You know, yeah, that yeah. you enjoy it. I mean, yeah. it's it's weird because you can't. It's I'm a big sports fan, but you can't. It's hard to really enjoy it. Yeah, because oh, yeah. Yeah. it's on edge. I mean, it's it's like okay, you're on the field, you're in the dugout where these play these guys are playing, and you know, they're working and you're working. So it's like you're watching them be professionals, but you can't you can't really focus on a game that much, right? Like when it's over, you're like, wait, so what was the final score? Like yep. you kept up, but it's not you're not you're not it's not like you're not in, taking it in and like oh my god, I'm here having fun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you're supposed to be having fun, but it's like. If you mess up, there's a big chance that you'll never work again. Yeah. <laughs> like no, you're right. Are there people in the business doing some of the things that you did that aren't familiar with what's happening, that aren't sports fans, and no, just, they think, just take direction? Or does everyone involved with the production pretty much understand the sport? Yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to definitely understand the sport. To, okay. I mean, to keep up with what the action. Yeah. Because you can't – like, you got to keep up with the action, especially if you're going to follow a player or follow – you got to know, like it was weird because I did Monday Night Football recently, and you know it's most of the players are wearing helmets, and if you don't know the select, if you don't know the stars, you really don't know your unless you know yeah. your team. You know, it's like I I could know I know the Giants players because I've seen their faces over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But I go to Monday Night Football, and the guy's like, "Okay, we need you to we need you to follow, we need to get B roll shots of all these athletes walking into the stadium off the bus." Oh, and I don't know if you're not wearing jerseys. They're not wearing jerseys. <laughs> they're you know they're they're athletes that you know make a lot of money, so they're wearing fancy clothing. And you're just like, um, I don't know what they look like without clothes on. And there's one guy that there's a guy that produces that that does production for ESPN, and he literally knows almost every player that steps on the field. He'll tell you if like, if it's a if it's a celebrity, a main star, main star athlete, or a B-lister, he knows them. He's like, all right, he's coming on the field right now. He's going to be on the left side wearing the pads, and you're just like, get him, and you got to run over there. But you don't, I don't know who half these guys are. Like, uh-huh. I didn't know who, what they looked like. I, you know, like, you, like Ava Kamara looked like he looks like Kamara. Like, he has his dreads, and he has his locks, and he stands out. But mm-hmm. they're like, can you follow this guy? You're like, I don't know what he looks like. And you're like, oh, he's going to come out right now and follow out of the tunnel. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I often wonder, because I had that thought, like during batting practice or something, you know, you want kids to know who they're watching taking batting practice before mm-hmm. a game, for example. I think that maybe it would be helpful if they wore their number on their warm-up jersey, warm-up shirt, something like that. Not I, I don't, don't want to be totalitarian like that, but it sure would be helpful <laughs> to be able to say, oh, look. As a fan, yeah. So-and-so is up to bat now, yeah. But, I mean, if, like, I, I mean, it's the Yankees. I knew everybody on the Yankees team was no problem, but... Like I did the World Series a couple of years and worked the fields and worked report sideline reporting and stuff and 
you know, it's like, all right, get a shot at Jeter. Like, you know the Yankees, right. but it's like you go against a team, you're like, I've never seen the plays on the Braves. I don't know who they are. Yeah, and I would be the same. Reverse. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know the just, Yankees guys. Yeah. You don't know who they are. And it's like, um, but you have to know the mechanics. Like, working sports, yeah. you have to know the mechanics. Like, so do you ever get to go to sports games and enjoy yourself as a fan? I try to. Yeah. Um, Giants come here once a year. Do you get to go to see them at all? I used to. Yeah. But it's, football is so expensive. I was just about to say, the Falcons are coming to Dallas this year. I mean, the tickets are ridiculous, man. I'd rather just watch it at home anyway. Climate control. Yeah, it's it's weird because, and that's another reason why I became a big Stars fan because to become a season ticket holder to Stars games, I think it, you know it, was, it cost eight hundred bucks to go to twenty games, twenty five games. Wow, twenty game plan. I had a twenty game plan. It cost me eight hundred bucks. I was by, I, bought, I was by myself. I was single, and I was like, I could watch a professional hockey team for eight hundred dollars. You can't do that in New York. You can't go to a Ranger game and get that. You get $800 to go to one Ranger game. Right. You know, and it's like, so I, I I go to football and I go to, I mean, I go to baseball and I go to hockey a lot. Yeah. I mean, the atmosphere at a Stars game, if you're ever in Dallas, is exceptional. Yeah. So, yeah. And baseball is always baseball. It's a, yep. it's a fun sport to me to watch. A lot of people are just like, I just go there to drink beer. I'm like, <laughs> that's pointless. To- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it is? It's pointless to drink beer? I don't drink beer at a baseball game. Like, just to watch, oh, you know. Like, I thought we were getting insight no, as no, to no. why you and I still haven't had that beer, but I no. digress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in your downtime when you're not going to a couple of sporting events every year, you know you uh, you like to play video games. Yeah. Uh, what what's your favorite? Uh, Call right of Duty. Now? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. I See, mean, I I feel that I would really enjoy that game, but I've never played it. It's I don't like I I, I do it because it's a stress reliever. It's mm-hmm. quick instant gratification on a video game. Like I don't play games where it's like I have to sit down and beat a boss or waste you know hours like playing one level. Right. I don't do that. Like I just. Yeah. I want to get in on the action and get out and get yelled at by my wife. <laughs> Come to bed! No, I don't need to. I'm playing Call of Duty. <laughs> you uh, you have a couple of dogs, right? Yeah, two uh, Shiba Inus. What is that? What 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 kind of dog is that? <laughs> don't hold on, hold on. I still have I still have uh, my Technology. computer open because uh, you know I was looking for you uh, wiping out on the field at the World Series. It's not gonna happen. But now I'm looking up. Oh, okay. So these are kind of like uh, almost like husky type dogs. Yeah, they're like Japanese dogs. They, yeah, they're same family as Akitas. Same I was gonna breed. say. Yeah, this is this reminds me of that uh, that movie that uh, Richard Gere was in with the dog at the train station. Look like this yeah, uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he waited for him and yeah. stuff. Really and the, that, was, that was a real movie. That was a real story. Yeah, a real story. Yeah. yeah. If people don't know this, what was the name of that story? I don't know the name. Tell, of, tell everyone around while I try to figure out what movie that. I is. don't know the name of the movie. The guy that passed away, right? Then he passed away, and the yeah. dog. So 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 this 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 stray dog, um, uh, hangs out at a train station or something, right? Yep. Waiting for this uh, his owner yep. to to come home. It's called a dog's tail, Hachi. That's yeah. what it is. Hachi, a dog's tail. So I forget all the, the nuance of it, but it is a, a real story out of Japan where this dog um, would meet his owner at the train station every day. Mm-hmm. They adapted it, I think, to New York, right? Or something like that. I don't know. And he would walk with him home or something mm-hmm. and walk with him. I don't know. I guess he would just hang out in the town until yeah. the guy came back from work. Akita, I mean, she was a smart dog. Yeah. They're loyal. That's I, I love them. Like, I love my dogs. And so then, well, we won't ruin the story for you, but go ahead and enjoy it later. <laughs> uh, Richard Gere, Hachi, a dog's tail. They're great dogs, though. They're loyal and yeah. they're fun. So you got two genius dogs then. Yeah. Biscuit and Lola. Yeah, pains in the butts. Pains in the butts? Really? I huh. love them. You think they would follow you to a train station? 
Definitely, they do. Oh yeah, Biscuit follows my every move when I'm home. He's my shadow, <laughs> and that's what I wanted when I when I wanted a pet. I wanted something. I mean, I wanted somebody. I was. I wanted an animal that was close to me, and yeah, he's definitely close to me. Like he's. If I stand up, he's like, "Where you, where are you going?" If I you know if I'm in my room by myself, he'll call. He'll come up and he'll sit down right next to me, and he's it's, it's, he's just watching. That's great. It's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I I love dogs. I I didn't grow up with dogs. I've only recently owned dogs, yeah. and I can't imagine a life without dogs now. Me too. So I'm with you. But you also have a cat named Athena. Oh uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was adopted. Oh no, from, uh, it was a mistake. That, was, that came with the wife <laughs> and the stepdaughter. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not a cat person. Yeah, I don't. So Athena loves me, and I like Athena, but I don't touch her because I'm I'm allergic to cats in a way, so I can't touch her oh. and touch my face. But I just don't touch cats because they're just weird weird personalities. Like I can touch my my dog, and you know he's like I feed him, he won't bite me. Right, a cat will claw you because right. they just feel like clawing you because they're cats. Two different personalities. Oh, for sure. I don't like cats. It's just weird. Yeah. Does she uh, Athena? Does she get in your space? Does she uh, bother you any? Well, when I yeah, when I'm working at night on a computer, she jumps up and decides to like type on the keyboards with me. She wants to be an editor, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just annoying. It's but I don't like again. I don't touch her because. I don't, if I get clawed by a cat, I think I might throw her out the window. <laughs> wow. I don't like cats. Like, don't claw me. I feed you. Right? <laughs> like, that's not so much to ask. That's a pretty reasonable request. I feed you. Don't injure me. Don't attack me. And, cl- right. like, you know, they, they scratch. Like, what is that? Yeah. yeah. My dogs don't bite. I mean, I, the dogs bite, but they're not aggressive. My dogs aren't aggressive. They don't, they're not going to attack anybody in my family, really. So how do the dogs and the cat get along with each uh, other? We keep them separate. Oh. So the dogs get the daytime, the cat gets the nighttime, because <laughs> the dogs are dogs. I mean, they're old fourteen. You know, Biscuit's fourteen and Lola's twelve, and they've never had a cat around. And it's like, what is this? I want to eat it. And the cat's <laughs> like, oh, I want to scratch your face. <laughs> so it's constant back and forth. And I don't like living in that kind of world. No, so no, we keep them separate. <laughs> you talked about doing some editing at night on the computer. So in addition to the camera work, you're also an yeah, editor. I edit, yeah, I edit. Yeah. I do post production. Which do you enjoy more? camera work and it's just because i need a paycheck mm. it's just now and, and especially this day and age you have to be a total package like the, a lot of people want you to do everything which to me sometimes is annoying because i'd rather be a master of one but you know people are like can you edit can you shoot can you produce can you do sound design can you you know it's just like mm, i can do a little bit of both right but i'm not gonna do all like can you do graphic design like no i'm not a graphic artist but t- like stay in my lanes i stay in my lane <laughs> like i don't want to you know like a graphic artist is a graphic artist. it's an artist yeah i'm not if you ever see me draw art you don't want me to ruin your graphics yeah 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 that's that's a finely tuned skill set yeah and it's that's, in that artist realm yeah and produ- i mean and that's where that's where, that's where production is nowadays like you know people are like oh you do tell you do you do uh video work can you do audio no that's not not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I can hear something sounds bad, but I'm not an audio person. Yeah. Okay. I got you. But tell us about some of the on-camera stuff that you do with Chad Prather down the hall here. Uh, yeah. He has me on as as his token black guy. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Every time. Every time it's a video, you guys are uh, eating food together. Oh yeah. We also do an episode called a show called a segment called Yardbirds, mm-hmm. where we eat fried chicken. <laughs> It's simple. We both love. I mean, I worked with Chad and I worked for a year on the road, and we found out that every time we were on the road, we always said, "Hey, we want fried chicken or we want wings." So we said, "Why not have a show about <laughs> a Midwest cowboy 
guy and a black guy from New York eating fried chicken and wings. That's awesome. I love it. So that's what we did. I mean, it's just sitting in the back of a truck. Yeah. It's just us having fun mm-hmm. eating food. I mean, that's something that brings everybody together, right? That and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, alcohol. Yeah, that too. That's a good one. Yeah. Of course, I mean, you and I have never been brought together with alcohol because uh, you refuse to take my calls. Although, oh, I don't say that. that. That being said, remember that one time we used to uh, use the same gym. And the first time I saw you there, I don't know if I knew you were a member. Did, did I already know that you were a member there or what? No. Okay, so you're on a row machine facing a window, and I'm like a creeper off behind you and i just start texting you like hey you're looking pretty good there on the row machine and you're like looking around like what What? this is weird i just wish that my number wasn't in your phone already because then it would have been even funnier yeah it would be more creepier (laughs) i would have said stop creeping out that's right that's right uh so you enjoy music as do i yeah but I don't know that you and I would be listening to the same music uh, when we get together for this hypothetical beer as you enjoy rap, which I uh, yeah. do not. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite artists that I will not recognize and <laughs> not to, listen to later? Well, that's all kinds of music. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the board, so it doesn't, we can listen to whatever you want to. Really? I've been listening to some Christian music sometimes. Oh, wow. Okay. I've tried. My wife gets me on, but I'm like, yeah, it's just, it sounds... Yeah, okay, we can switch it. Mm. Um, rap music, I like Jay-Z. Okay, I got it. New York guys. That was a funny thing. The NFL draft was on, and I thought it was funny that there were all these sports books at this one guy's house yeah. behind him, yeah. and then there was this book by Jay-Z that yeah. just stuck out like a sore thumb behind him. It was a decoded. I, had, I don't know. I, I own it. Didn't see. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it's, it breaks down his lyrics and talks about his career path. Yeah. Oh, oh wait. So, wait. Uh, a book that explains his song lyrics, like yeah. each individual song. Yeah. It was oh, some, that's actually a yeah, great yeah. idea. So it comes out like where, what it means and where it came from and what what, what kind of influence it has on him. Ah, that reminds me, in case you're a U2 fan, there's a book called U2 Burning Desire, <laughs> along the same lines. I love I love being able to 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 get into the lyrics yeah. and what was in the artist's head when yep. they wrote them down. That's pretty cool. That's actually uh, a good idea for any artist to make a book like yeah. that. All right, I ask this question, mm-hmm. and most people don't respond to it. But you did, and I appreciate it. Last song you played on repeat, you said One Man Band. Yeah. Who who did that song? That's an Old Dominion. It's a country artist band. Oh, group. yeah, okay. Yeah. I play it because of my little girl. So it's Aww. hard for me to play rap music with a three-year-old uh-huh. in the uh-huh. house. <laughs> Not safe for work. I mean, I don't home. mind doing it, but my <laughs> wife gets upset every time. And my little girl starts saying words to me. I'm like, wait, where'd you learn that from? And she says, Daddy plays it. That's, you know, you got to stop it. Oh, no. So, yeah. See, well, welcome to the realm of parenthood. It's weird because I was like, you know, as a kid, you're like, I'm always going to play rap music for my kids. I don't care if they. But then when they start saying certain words back to you, you're like, you know what? <laughs> Baby girl, it's cute the first time, but it shouldn't be part of your everyday vocabulary. <laughs> yep. 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 No, I, I'm. So, we all go down that road. Yeah. So uh, we play, I play a lot of country music and. My wife doesn't like jazz, so I can't play jazz with her around. Yeah. So it's just, we're all, I'm all over the place. I, I guess so, yeah. I remember one time in the car, because we had enjoyed the clean version of the video of uh, Macklemore Thrift yep. Shop. Yep. And I remember playing that once. My youngest was in the car with me. And I thought I clicked on the YouTube like clean version. No, I did not. Mm. And the phone was out of reach. And I was like... <laughs> 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 blah blah blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah. yeah. Been there. Know the feeling. But well, my little girl knows she knows the bad words now. So she, if daddy <laughs> if daddy slips up, she's like, Daddy, you can't say that word. I'm like, You're right, mama, but somebody cut me off, so daddy had to say it. <laughs> and you know what? You need to stop lying, little girl. Yeah, stop lying. How about that? <laughs> you what stop about yourself? <laughs> you stop lying and I'll stop cussing. <laughs> yeah. All right. No interesting talents, huh? None at all. All right. Well, you and I are the same on that. We have something in common. Yeah. None at all. Uh okay. Something people don't know about you. This is fascinating. Care to tell us about this uh, situation with your fingers? Oh, yeah. I was born with 12 fingers. 12. See, I could have used some in reserve the way I cut mine off in the doing yard work. I tried to cut off three of them uh, trimming hedges. I still have the scars and no feeling in one of them. Yes. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, But you had 12 at one time. So I was born with 12. My great-grandmother had 12, and my little girl had 12. Wow. Yeah, it's genetic and... Uh-huh. It's it throws on your pinky and yeah. it's an extra. I see, I see you're down to ten now. Yeah, it's a little. It's a, I have a little stubs. My little girl has it too. So huh. we just put a string around it when I was born. And that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So when I was born, they put a string around it and it fell off naturally because wow. there's no bone in it. It's just flesh. So is there any pain associated with no, that? No, I mean no. Like was, how you you were too young to even know what was going know. on. Yeah. And the same thing happens to my little girl. So Quinn had it too, and as soon as she came out, that's the very first thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. You I, probably weren't too surprised, right? I mean, actually, being, I was. But oh, really? I, I literally, that was the first thing I said. Like the doctor was like, "We pulled the baby out and put her on top of my wife," and I'm there. I'm like, "Oh, look, twelve fingers!" Like, "Welcome, little girl!" And I was like, "Oh, she has twelve fingers." My wife was like, "What did you just say?" <laughs> like, not you know, not a moment of like, "Oh my gosh, she's here!" Or yes, like, she's "Yes, so beautiful." My first words were. She has 12 fingers. And my wife was like, you know, in pain, like <laughs> legs in the stirrup, just looking at me like, what did you just say? No. Yeah, that was the first words. And so they put a string around it, and a week later, it just fell off naturally. See, I almost, I mean, you would have to wait to her, for her to get older and stuff, and then there'd be some stigma and all that stuff. But it almost seems like that might come in handy at some point to have well, my, that many. So my great-grandmother actually kept hers, and oh. it was just... it. It literally, it's, there's no bone, so it's just like flesh, and it just dangled. It okay, like so little, it didn't it didn't serve any purpose. You no. couldn't get a better grip on a football. No, and throw it, just, it eighty it looks, yards instead of fifty. Yeah, you just look like an alien. I got, <laughs> good <laughs> Ma- stuff. Imagine being bullied with twelve fingers in Brooklyn. Yeah, that would have been rough. Oh, I know what your street name would be though. <laughs> What's up, twelve fingers? <laughs> so your earliest memory is at Disney World. That that's one of my earliest as well. Yeah, yeah. three, four. I think that was one thing that stood out. Yeah. Mickey Mouse and me crying because I had to leave. Oh no. I had to, that was why, I remember they painted my face, and I got home, and my mom, that night, we were in the hotel, and I had to wash my face. I was like, I wanted to keep this forever! Oh, yeah. man. So Good your job. earliest memory, when you tell people it's of Disney World, you think, oh, how great, the happiest place on earth! No, no, no not that was, day. It was, yeah. Oh, I'm, no. a, I'm a pessimist, not an optimist. <laughs> yeah, me, you and me both, brother. Uh, you mentioned your mom uh, in... in and you listed her as the person who's had the biggest impact on you. How so? Um, just watching her raise three boys as a single mom wow. in a rough part of town and oh, just watching goodness. her do everything that she did to get us out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching her. We didn't grow up with any, like, we didn't grow up rich. We grew up very, 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 very poor. And mm-hmm. we watched her not take any government assistance in a sense and just watching her just work her butt off to get us that's great. Out of that situation, I mean, you know, like she, we didn't, she couldn't pay for us to go to college, so we had to get loans and stuff. But mm-hmm. this, this constant driving of getting better and getting out was just, okay, cool. That's the driving force of who I am in a sense. Like she constantly worked, and we never saw her like not work. We worked. She worked seven days a week, and that's what kind of drove me to do what I'm doing. Does that 
segue into my question that I send out in the email. Are there any point or points in your life that you can look at and say, you know, that decision would have taken me down a completely different path? Anything that stands out that you'd care to share with us? Not, I don't think there's a. I think there's no. I don't think there's a specific point. I think just just growing up in a certain environment and saying, yeah, I don't want to go down that route. Like yeah. you know, just watching a lot of kids either get killed as teenagers or mm-hmm. go to jail or end up, you know, in certain situations. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to grow up in that situation. Like I told my wife the other day, I was like, I literally got out of my house and right on the corner of my apartment were were five drug dealers every morning. Wow. Like you constantly walk. You know, you open your front door and right outside your door is. Drug dealers, at literally, that's right in front of your door. There's not, not like down the hallway, not down, like literally right in front of my door where drug dealers selling drugs. And that's what you saw as a 10 year old. You know, I remember as a, I remember my mom said, Hey, I need you to go to the store and get some milk. And I was like, All right, mom, I'm running. And I was, I think I was 12. I opened a door. And as soon as I opened a door, I saw a guy, I saw three undercover cops with guns drawn arrest these guys, pull out guns. And I'm like, Huh. So I closed the door. I was like, Ma, I can't get milk right now because there's a drug bust going on outside. <laughs> Man. So it's like you see that kind of thing. You're constantly saying to yourself, like, I'm not going to – I don't want to end up down that route. I want to go this route because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too pretty for jail. True that. <laughs> like, a just... handsome man, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so so uh, growing up there on the mean streets of Brooklyn, quite literally, Yeah. are you still in touch with anybody that you grew up with in the neighborhood? Facebook, yeah, because yeah. of that. That's what I mean. That's But I'm not really – How are I, they doing? Everybody's hunkered down. I mean, I have a lot of friends that I have friends that are still there, and you know, I have a core group of friends that we grew up with. That's fourteen years on. It's like, all right, we're all going to get out of the situation. I think that was also helped me out too. Like, I could have went, I could have hung out with the other kids that you know started cutting school and yeah, doing things, and I stuck. But these are the people that if they ever came to Dallas, in theory, you would probably go hang out with them and have a beer, correct? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink beer. That's what it is. I drink a lot of scotch. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait to find an out in the uh, contract there, Sean. <laughs> Got it. What's something you want to do, uh, accomplish in your lifetime? I love this. Tell us about Was you. it Patagonia? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to travel. It's, I think that'd be a beautiful. Trip. I didn't do a lot of traveling as a young kid. It's, I got, I'm thankful for work. I got to travel a few places. Um, so I'm, I just want to get that travel book. But Patagonia just looks so gorgeous. Yeah. Sure does. What, what, what's the most memorable place you've ever been to then? Hmm. Besides this studio with me. Other yeah, than that, I mean. Yeah, work, yeah, this studio is gorgeous. Yeah. These four walls. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, the place I've been to that stood out to me. Hmm. hmm. I can edit this for time if you I like. I like Sweden. Oh, wow. Okay. Sweden was nice. It was good to see that country. I'm a Caribbean person, so I like Turks and Caicos. That was gorgeous. Mm. That beach is beautiful. The people were great. Island was small. I I pretty much mentioned to everybody. Have you ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? If not, you got to get there. Yeah, I went there, but I didn't go there for for fun. Okay. I yeah. There, yeah. Of, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like one of these sporting events. You go there and you have to work. Yeah. Right? I, but yeah. It was that one was a heavy, that, that was when the guy the massacre the church massacre. Oh. So that was yeah. yeah. I didn't really go to South Carolina for fun. So that was. That's something that doesn't stick out in my head. Wow. Like, I went to Thailand with Glenn, and that was supposed to be, oh, my God, you went to Thailand? I was like, yeah, I went to Thailand for to report on child sex slavery. So, oh. again, it's oh. like. It's You've got so- <laughs> memories for all of these places. Yeah, like, I went, to, I went to Mexico. Mexico City was gorgeous. Yeah, but we also went for child slavery, and, uh-huh. yeah, it's not really fun. Yeah, okay. Like, 
And like you don't want to ever go back to Thailand. Like I don't want to ever. Like Thailand was gorgeous. Uh huh. It's I mean probably the culture is amazing. It was gorgeous, but that underlying CD factor. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want to support any of that. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. Well, that was a. That yeah, was a thanks, Keith. Uplifting part of the conversation. That's uh, why I want to go to Turks and Caicos. Go on a beach. Yeah. Sip a Corona. I was going to say, have you ever been anywhere where you didn't have to cover tragedy at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's what you get for working in news, people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's news for you. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about any of your regrets in your life? <laughs> no. Not here. Not, not here. today. <laughs> okay. I don't have Very regrets good. really right now. You've kind of talked about your bucket list already, more travel. What's the one place that you want to get to that you have not been besides Patagonia? I would love to go to Japan. Hmm. Why is that? Just to see it. Just to see that side of the world. Okay. And and it's funny because when I talked about like that culture was almost wiped out during World War II in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to, like parts of it had to rebuild. Yeah. They lost a lot of their history. It's just, a, you know, just see the transformation, see what that new culture is like, but also see just a different worlds. It's a different, it's not American. Mm-hmm. It's Western and Eastern culture. It's just to see this difference would be, to me, amazing. I, I was reading something not too long ago about the irony is that when they were getting ready to drop the bombs, mm-hmm. they were looking for, I forget if it was in both cities or one of them, a church steeple. Like that's that's your marker. How ironic is that? Of where you're gonna, you know, when you see that, that's where we're dropping the bomb. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible, and it really wiped out. There was apparently a um, a growing Christian population in Japan, which you don't think Christianity whatsoever today with Japan. And I'd have to go and fact check this, but I think that that they were centered in those cities that oh my were goodness, so, or at least one of them. Like I said, anyway, just uh, terrible to think. Um, yeah. Well, it could have been, I guess, but, you know. I don't know. For some reason, Japan has always been, like, on the bucket list. Yeah. It looks like a beautiful place. Uh, cherry yeah. Blossoms. It's different. Again, there's different cultures or something. I mean, just even going around America would be great because there's different parts of, you know, like you said, Nebraska is different from New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'd love to see Japan, to see that whole world. Anything that, that we have not covered here today that, that maybe we need to uh, go back over and uh, no. revisit? We've covered a lot of ground. We did cover a lot of ground. It's almost like having a beer at this point is Yeah, pointless. we should have a beer. Already, what time is it? Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm drinking coffee, but you know, there might be some Baileys in this coffee, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, social media handles, where can people find you online if you want them to find you? I'm on Instagram a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Sean Ryan's one, S-E-A-N-R-Y-A-N-S one. Okay, Instagram. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's you? usually because my Facebook is blocked because I just want that for like family and friends in a sense. Oh, uh, got it. Um, got it. We and I don't. I'm not a Twitter person. Mm-hmm. I don't understand Twitter that much. I'm. I'm, I'm sound like a boomer, but hmm. how old are you? Too much. I'm 39. 39. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm older than you, and I am. That's the only place I am. But see, Twitter is just. It's a. It's just arguing. It's a. You know, ah, it's, it is. If you want it to be, you don't have to engage. You could just post. Uh... No, it's weird. Like I went on Twitter once to complain about, uh, to complain to Call of Duty, or Activision, <laughs> as a matter of fact, because I sent emails. I tried to go down the proper route. I was like, I'm sending emails, and I went on Twitter. I was like, let me send a Twitter link, and then I commented on Twitter, and I started getting attacked. I was like, wait, I'm not trying to attack him. I just want to ask a question <laughs> on Twitter. But it's, I mean, you you have to argue on Twitter. I think that's that's where people get all the bravery. Is on Twitter. Oh yeah, faceless. Uh, yeah, you yeah. start mm-hmm. just saying whatever you want to say. And you could attack somebody. Mm. 
And it goes, I mean, Twitter's just so fast. It's, it's yeah, quick. That's true. That's true. I, it, for me, it's impossible to keep up. I just, there's too much going on. I'm with yeah. you on that. But. I go there for, like, I'll, I have a Twitter handle, but I don't go on it. But I go there to check on news and updates and see what's trending mm-hmm. just to see. But, you know, to try to, you know, try to follow what's, try, try to navigate life. Like, what's trending? What are people talking about? But I'm not a Twitter. Like, I don't tweet. It's, if, I, if you go on my Twitter, like, I have, I think, seven tweets. <laughs> and it's all random difference. Like one is about video game, the other one is talking about uh, Walking Dead. Because mm-hmm. I did that, I did that uh, Talking Dead with uh, Jeffy. Yeah, yeah. And talking Walking Dead. Yeah, and then I did another thing was about just some random thought or lyric that I was probably drinking one night by myself. I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna start a Twitter fight. <laughs> uh, you're part of the problem. Yeah, aren't pretty you? much. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Sean Foster, catch him uh, on Instagram at. Sean Ryan's one. That's S E A N R Y A N S. The number one. You can catch him with his Yardbird videos with Chad Prather, and he is uh, typically the man behind the camera, bringing you the images, the memorable shots mm. from sporting events and other such places. When like, he's not falling, he's not falling and stuff. And you know, he also, gosh, these trips that you've made with Glenn to these terrible places. I'm sure there's some memories there that have stuck with you, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's still. I mean, it's life, though. You got to experience it. I mean, it builds you up, builds up character, but it also makes you realize that what you're doing your job for. Like, I like storytelling. Mm-hmm. If nobody was there to document stories like that, how would it get out? That's true. That's true. And here's a great way to end the podcast. I'm being sarcastic when I say this, but of these terrible trips that you've taken to Mexico City and to Thailand with yeah. Glenn. What's something that really sticks out and still affects you if you care to discuss it? It's 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 that. It's what knowing that, you know, these kids are victims and children. It's it stands out, but again, you need somebody to document. You need somebody yeah. to tell that story. Is that tough? It's, you you, you may, oh. maybe you experience these yeah. and you want to break down and cry, but you got to keep rolling and holding the camera up right. Oh yeah. I mean, that that coming back from Thailand and Mexico City both it, it broke me a couple times. It's, I mean, that's what I mean. I'm human, so mm-hmm. you can't. But you can't in that moment. You can't break down. You have to. You have to stand stand firm. Yeah. But the flight home. Oh yeah, there was a lot of like what okay. what's happening in this world. But again, if you you need somebody, you need some. You need a way to tell that story. Sure. Yeah. You need a, you need to put it out there. I mean, we went down to the border of Texas, McAllen, Texas, and mm-hmm. you know, watching some of the people that cross the border illegally, but they can't go past certain points of Texas because they're going to get caught by Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. So they get stuck in this, these little small towns and they live in, they take, you know, carp, like they take plywood and they build homes out of it and they run electrical cords to a light post and that's how they live. And, you know, we've, we we did a story about a lady who, a family that did that. They, you know, they, t- they took plywood and they lived in a grassy field and they ran electricity to, so- to something else and they kept running electricity and it was all these orange extension cords and it caught fire. And, you know, the whole thing burned down. It's like these people, like, you walk in and they literally live in this 10 by 10 plywood home that they staple together with all the kids and just clothes burned and cinched. And they just look at you and they're smiling. And kids don't know the difference because they're kids. And you're just, you, you're showing this story. And it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well. But you need it. Again, it's storytelling. To me, it's like, okay, let's get it out. But, yeah, it breaks you. You've seen some stuff. Oh. Yeah. And who knows what else you're going to end up seeing in this crazy world. Yeah. Sean Foster joining me here on At The Mic. I really appreciate your time and uh, you telling us about your awesome life, man. This was fun. Cool. Let's get a drink sometime.
Well, I mean, you know my number, brother. (laughs) See you later. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect.